0: people won't remember you for the cool things that you did, but they will remember how you treated them, uh, for better or for worse. So I didn't make that up, uh, you know, stole it obviously from somebody else. But I think having, having that compassion, um, and those interactions with folks just as a general rule, they're going to remember that. Um, and, and, you know, I don't know if it, if you can make somebody feel good by, by caring about them, by giving a crap, um, you know, they they may remember it down the road.
1: Hello and welcome to the new Mission Career Transition Podcast. I'm your host Chris Caprellian, and I'm joined by my co-host sister and talent management pro, Alexandra Caprellian. We interview service members that transition to new careers, DOD representatives, and civilian HR professionals to provide you with lessons learned you won't get in a transition class and to help you transition with confidence. Are you in a place in your career where you're like, you know, I can't really excel here, but if I was in that last job that I had, or this other job, this other duty assignment, I know I could crush it because I've got all the right qualities, education, and experience to just excel in there. But you're not there. And you know it's your time to get out. And you know that if you could find a place where it was attuned to the skills and the education and the training and the experience that you had, you could go out there and you could deliver quality results that would be appreciated and recognized. If, if that's what you're thinking about... Believe it or not, you may be suited for contracting work after your military career. And that's what we're going to talk about with Sheridan Conklin, a prior Marine who retired and went into the contracting world. He's going to talk about what that world is like and the benefits of that world. So stay tuned. Sheridan Conklin, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hey, thank you. Appreciate it.
2: Welcome.
1: Um, we're finally going to delve into a topic we haven't touched on, and it's contracting. You know, I think a lot of uh, a lot of folks, particularly those that are um, putting in a significant amount of time in their military service, getting out, you know, at retirement eligibility, they understand what the GS employment opportunities are. But they also will encounter opportunities to go into the contracting realm. I wanted to say military contracting, but I think there's a a good reason to just keep it a little bit vanilla and call it contracting contracting. So Sheridan, not only good talking to you again, uh, we've worked together before, but also to give us some insight on that whole thing. Yeah, absolutely. So, to start off, I just uh want to give the listeners an understanding of who you are and where you came from. Can you give us a, an idea of where you grew up and how you joined the military?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I grew up in uh California, my brother and I and my mom, older brother by three years and uh, yeah I, I joined the Marine Corps shortly after turning seventeen yeah, I hit the delayed entry program and uh, my brother was going to college. He had some, some pretty big aspirations on the education front, but I convinced him to uh, drop out and join the Marine Corps with me on the buddy program. Nice. So, <laughs> yeah, so we uh, we went in uh, together, you know, same platoon and boot camp, uh, SOI, and then we both got selected for uh, anti tank assaultman. So, we went to assaultman school and then security force school and then our first duty station together. So, yeah it was it was a really good time uh you know jumping in with both feet with uh, you know somebody that's got your back you know your uh, your brother whom you're very close with so yeah that that was really the the start of it
1: all right, great and and so where did you go from there and if you could just give us an overview of your uh military experience
0: yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely so um we uh, we we did one deployment there uh, two thousand one. Uh, in Afghanistan. But yeah, after that four years, I got out, my brother stayed in and I went back home to California and helped my dad manage his, uh, uh, custom hot rod shop in uh, Southern California. And after a few months I was like, and I really missed like being in the service. I think I want to go back in, but I want education and, you know, Marine Corps in the, in the late nineties, wasn't super encouraging about school. So I went in the air force. Did security force over there, which is basically uh, for those that don't know, it's it's uh, like MP mixed with uh, uh, air base ground defense, and did that deployed a couple of times. Got my degree, and then I was at a crossroad. You know which which service uh, do I want to get commissioned through? Uh, the Marines or the Air Force? And I was I was split pretty 50, 50 on it, but uh, leaned lean towards the Marine Corps. I thought that would be a little more gratifying to look back on when I was a uh, a bit older, so linked up with my brother again at the basic school as he was going through the the warrant officer program, and uh, yeah, I became a combat engineer out of TBS, and uh, yeah, I had a I had a very uh, a very good path. You know, I was I was fortunate enough to have some platoon commander time, exo time, company commander, and uh, operations officer, and doing some planning. So uh, I got the full gamut. Uh, I would write it the same way if I could. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very, very good experience. A few more deployments later and uh, 23 years and and I I hung it up.
1: We were both in second Marine aircraft wing uh, and that was, that was your last duty station, wasn't it? In uh, MCAS Cherry Point? Correct. Yep. All right. Well, it's a great overview. So let's just get into the, uh, let's get into the business here of transition. When did you decide to depart military service and why? Like what? What was your thought process
0: yeah that's a it's such a great question. you know you always hear people say like when when you know you know, and for me it, it built up a little while um as far as timeline right around twenty eighteen you know there was a there was a time mostly when i was I was younger that I would look at you know senior folks, I would look at sergeant's major I would look at you know full bird kernels. And and I just couldn't even imagine doing the things they did. And they were just, you know, so, so, you know, in such a a high regard of of performance and everything. Um, But as as I spent more time in and uh, working closely with some of these folks, the, the allure changed a little bit. And I kind of, I, I felt like the rank structure was, Prohibitive uh, for performance and capability and growth, and I don't mean that in any in in any bad way at all. It just to me, you know, I'd I'd look at CG or whomever, and and they they weren't doing anything that I feel I couldn't do, and so I kind of just wanted opportunity, and and I I found that outside the Marine Corps.
1: Yeah, that's a. I think that's a something that people don't talk about, but I mean, we talk about it, but we usually talk about it later in our career where sometimes the the rank is a limiting thing, right? And that's that's largely a byproduct of a the military needing to promote or have individuals leave the service because we got to keep a relatively young and physically capable force. But the second and third order effects of that are, it doesn't matter like how high of a performer you are, you're really probably not going to get promoted ahead of peers and you got to wait for your number to come up. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, it, the the whole process has its benefits and drawbacks. But um, yeah, that's that's a great observation. When you knew that you were going to transition, what actions did you take?
0: Yeah the the first the first thought, and I had this thought for a while, um, is what am I going to do when I grow up? Right? Like, <laughs> all right, I, I, I was in, I was I was infantry. Um, I'm not going to do that in the civilian world. I did some MP stuff, which is you know great. Love it. Awesome job. But that doesn't really transfer. And I didn't really want to be a cop. And then, you know, combat engineering, right? Like, you know, 17, 18 different MOSs, you know, all these things, and you're not certified in anything. So, you know, what do you do in the civilian world? What do a lot of engineers do is they they look at like program management, and, uh, maybe like operations or uh, development type jobs. But yeah, I was, I was really like scratching my head you know, what what in the world am I gonna do? You know, do I do I go back to school? Yeah, so a lot of those thoughts. And especially I use you know, I used my GI Bill already. So I'm like, hmm, I gotta I gotta figure this out. And fortunately, uh, opportunity fell in my lap. Yeah, while, while at Cherry Point, getting through the transition process, a friend of mine whom I worked with uh, previously had a, had an opportunity, um, just you you know, networking. Um, he approached me as like, Hey, you know, I know you're retiring. Are you interested in, in potentially doing some logistics, right? Which, of course, you know we, we always say you know engineers and logistics we get that uh, you know sibling rivalry, and so years and years of me teasing my my logistician friends. Uh, lo and behold, that's the route that I went when I when I retired. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and I was fortunate on the transition because it was, you know when when I was going through the latter part of the transition, which by the way, the transition is, it's always funny. I, I must say, you know, when I say those words around, like, uh, you know, my non-military friends are like, well, what kind of transition are you talking about? I don't understand this. I'm like, "Then no, that's just retiring. And they're like, well, what do you mean you're retiring? You know, you're not going to work again. You're so young. So yeah, just the kind of <laughs> lingo is, is, is interesting, but yeah. the So the, the logistician opportunity was a remote work job on a, on a team that was funded under Operation Warp Speed, and they were bringing medical infrastructure uh, to the U.S. or growing existing medical infrastructure within the U.S., just, just growing the capacity of it uh, by size or volume um, or capability. And this was all in the screening and diagnostic side of COVID-19. So it was something that I was like, wow, this is, this is fascinating. I'm interested in it. You know, I, I'd love to help. I'd love to do my part. And the transition for me was super smooth because you know twenty twenty we were already doing a, a bit of um, hybrid work, and so you know going into a remote work job it was a it was a pretty smooth you know transition for me
1: I want to go back once though <clears throat> I think you're being a little bit humble uh, or maybe we need to clarify something you said that the opportunity fell in your lap, so if you really kind of reflect back on well. What were the things that you had done leading up to that? Maybe even years ago, maybe it was setting up a, a profile or keeping in touch with friends or soliciting support. Were there some other things that you did that ended up providing you the end to that company?
0: Yeah, that, no, that's, uh, that is a, a fair point. Um, so the, the friend of mine, uh, we, we, we both were um, operations folks together. Um, so I was a squadron uh, operations officer and he was the assistant operations officer for the mag that I worked for. And so just having that, that connection on our, our weekly interactions, um, and being acquaintances, he, he had a pretty good network being reserve. And I had a good network just with people I had worked with, but I didn't have it into any like digital space. And so that was a huge, huge eye opener for me is, you know, as, as I, as I reached out to the, to the point of contact and, and, you know, they're, Quality control and, and HR folks, uh, you know, start engaging with me. They're like, "Hey, you know, um, I want to do an interview this afternoon. Where's your resume? What's your
1: LinkedIn profile?"
0: And I'm my head is spinning. I was like, "Oh no, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for this." <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's it. I mean, I think it brings up a really good point too. It's the relationships that you develop throughout your military service, and the people that go before you into the civilian sector should probably be considered as a potential, you know, somebody I at least have an informational interview with, but if you maintain contact with them and you end up being good at what you do and the type of person that people want to work with, that good karma seemed to have worked for you. It was good karma that had occurred and it worked for you. And that's kind of along with the networking, how the opportunity landed.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. And, and, and maybe, maybe it's just, um, my own philosophy too, but, you know, obviously stolen from somewhere else, but people won't remember you for the cool things that you did, but they will remember how you treated them uh, for better or for worse. So I didn't make that up, uh, you know, stole it obviously from somebody else. But I think having, having that compassion um, and those interactions with folks just as a general rule, they're going to remember that. Um, And, and, you know, I don't know if it, if you can make somebody feel good by, by caring about them, by giving a crap, um, you know, they, they may remember it down the road.
2: Yeah. It's all about impact, right? What kind of impact can you, can you bring to people and what can you, uh, change for them and give to them? And, you know, I think that's great.
1: You have an understanding of the, the contracting landscape. And so I know you left off talking about with the first company that you were with, but what were the things that you learned about the contracting landscape and tell us a little bit about, you know, what the work entailed and and what that work culture was like, that cultural shift?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the, <laughs> the contracting world was completely new to me. And so, you know, what it means to, to like, when we talk about a federal contract, learning the language, like what are base years, what are option years, you know, if they say they've got a five-year contract uh, with a company for consulting or something like that, it may be a one-year contract with four years um, as options. So one base, four option, that's your five-year contract. Now, a lot of times they do that. Um, it may be broken down in different years, but when the one year, whatever it is, expires, um, there is an opportunity for protest and recompete from other companies. So the, the contracting thing, if you had to sum it up, if I had to, you know, compared to say, um, civilian employee of the government, you know, civilian employee of the government, you're getting, uh, you know, you're working towards a second retirement, a little bit lower paying, but more steady. Whereas the contracting side, you make more, uh, but you don't get a retirement and you have less job security. And so I, I learned this uh, because I was at the tail end of the contract uh, when, when I went on board. And there were protests to the contract as it started getting, uh, going through the, the renewal or recompete. And so we, we the, the, the four-person team I was on uh, of logisticians, we, uh, we bounced back and forth over the period of about nine months between two or three different companies. Um, because one would protest, um, as soon as they do a formal protest, you go into this like review period where, you know, you have to stay in the same company for a certain amount of months so the government can review the protest. And if they award it to another company, you've got to quickly like onboard to them, which comes through some hurdles. You know, you have to go through all the HR, all the training for the company, which is almost or nearly identical to what you just did with the previous company. But there are also benefits too, because each time I kind of bounced back and forth, I learned a little bit more, and I learned like how to, you know, how do you market yourself? Um, you know, how to get over the awkward, um, you know, discussion of talking about salary, things like that. So that that helped me transitioning back and forth a few times. But the other part of your question is, what was it like? What was the interaction um, for me in that position? Like I said, four person team. The joint unit I was a part of had about 50 contracts to, to expand the, the medical infrastructure. And so out of those 50, we just divided them by the four of us um, and we provided logistical support. And it was, there were times it was very dynamic uh, where they'd say like, Hey, Sheridan, we've got samples coming in from X country and we need, you know, some, some clearance and permits and you know, or this rail strike is happening and it's causing this huge backlog, or the ports, or the Ever Given is stuck in the Suez Canal, or there's this major class. You know, whatever it is that's going to cause it, I, I found over over the time, I almost felt like I was just watching the news and subscribing to like logistics, uh, you know, uh, newsletters to better forecast. But seeing how all that stuff's connected was was very fascinating and there was quite a big tie to what we did in the military when, when we, you know, TOT, when we transport things, uh, you know, putting stuff on rail, being able to speak that language. Um, that, that was very helpful. Yeah. Aside from, you know, building your situation reports, weekly updates to your boss, you know, my, my initial trepidation turned to uh, confidence. As I hit about the year mark, I, I really did, you know, appreciate that basic leadership, communication, uh, you know, being able to follow. Like when I, when I first uh, was on the team, I was a, uh, I I was basically like the, you know, low person on the totem pole of the team. And in, in fairly short order, um, there was an opportunity and, uh, they, they offered it up to me. So I became the team lead and yeah, the trepidation turned to confidence fairly quickly.
1: How long do you think that was from the time that you started to the, the time that you kind of felt like you were settled? And you knew what you were doing.
0: I'm going to say right around the, the six-month mark. And I think being, being curious by nature helped me out. So like with the company I worked for, there, there were non-paid additional, basically like collateral duties. And I, I volunteered for them because I, I wanted to see all aspects of what this corporate was. And so I, you know, I became uh, uh, one of their auditors to do process auditing. And then I became their SME for logistics for interviews. And I just learned a ton. Like, you know, it's funny when we, we, we've taught collateral duties in the military. It's, it's a dirty word. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, it's like, oh, I got put on this other additional duty and it's, it's just not, you know, it's, it's not something you look forward to, but my perspective changed and on the civilian side, I'm like, well, this is an opportunity to learn uh, about the, the company and to show them that I care you
1: know? Yeah. So you volunteered for duty. <laughs> you volunteered for I did. duty and, and I did. but, but but, it, but there was probably more learning involved. <laughs> no, that's great.
0: <laughs> yeah. It took me retiring to, to become a good Marine. <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> oh, so what are you doing now? I mean, cause I know that you, you, you were discussing about how there was, uh, Oh geez, I'm going to botch the word you used. A, you know, a bidding war and then filing complaints, but then you ended up changing companies, right?
0: Yeah, correct. So, um, in fact, just, just this, um, well, this past August, uh, during these, uh, protests, I, I worked for the company I'm now at for about a week before another protest and, uh, got pulled back to the company, but I went over full time in November. And I was doing the same job. So basically the, you know, logistics team lead uh, for this uh, medical screening and diagnostics that transitioned and I stayed the same company. So stole, stole a contractor, uh, just renegotiated my salary and worked for a new company. Now, this contract under Warp Speed was ending summertime. I had to basically find a new opportunity. At least I thought I did with the previous company I worked for. They they were very hands off with that, and as long as the customer was happy, they they kind of stayed at bay, and so there wasn't a lot of involvement with the company, and so with all the protests and things, you know, they looked to rehome us basically. Now the new company, uh, I thought that's just how old companies. At. But the new company, you know, as I reached out to my, my supervisor and I'm like, Hey, you know, the, our, our contract is, is ending, you know, sometime before the end of the fiscal year, do I need to start looking for a new job? And, and they were like, they were like, no, don't worry. We, 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 we know you're a contractor, uh, but you're a part of our family and we will find a new home for you. And so what, what this particular company does is, you know, they, they have your resume on file, And they have talent management folks um, and they have even have monitors. They have folks that help your career path um, and they advise you and you meet with them, you know, intermittently. But um, so in the springtime, you know, I'm I'm working through this process and it it just it always goes to show like have, you know, answer your phone. Be ready. You just never know what's going to happen. I got a call. I was actually in the Bahamas. Um, I got a call and something told me to answer it. (laughs) <laughs> and and I did, even though I was on vacation and, um, it was, you know, it was an opportunity within the same company and it was their, you know, their, their product lead that, that was essentially, you know, screening some folks as they were looking to build out their team. And so I was like, Hey, I am in the Bahamas, <laughs> but I, I'm definitely glad to take this call. Um, is this important to me? Uh, it's important to, to, you know, maintain some, some job security, but, yeah. Short order after coming back from uh, that trip, they did an interview. So teams, right? Getting getting really familiar and uh, comfortable being on camera. I did one interview and then that afternoon I did a second interview. The next day I did a third interview, sent some paperwork and they sent me an offer letter. And it it was a completely new line of work for me. So this was all now, instead of just focusing logistics and you know medical infrastructure growth, this was process improvement, uh, business process improvement, which I I now know that we we did uh, some of this in the military, but I really had no idea, you know, I, I had no idea what what it was all about, and um, yeah, I jumped in with both feet, and and I absolutely love it.
2: Really quick, how long was the entire interview process from start to finish?
0: Um. Like the, the duration of each interview, or from like the start until the offer letter.
2: Start to offer letter.
0: This was less than a week.
2: Whoa! Whoa! <laughs>
0: Whoa!
2: That's <Wow>. intense.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really fast, and and I actually I'm really glad you asked that because I, I've seen a lot of you know a lot of folks have like a, a window like you can't look for a job too far out because you know a lot of companies like you know they 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 want somebody right away. So is it like you know, search like up to ninety days out, but be prepared for an immediate, you know, need. This is definitely a good, you know, something, something to think about that I never really did before.
1: And now that you're doing business process improvement, so I and maybe you can relate and expound upon it. So I, I sat through some Lean Six Sigma yellow belt training not too long ago. And it's, you know, yellow belt's like this, it's a it's a one day orientation, right? The green belt is the week long program. And I we were going through this 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 thing and i was like oh flow chart yeah yeah, yeah. i've done one of those and it was like oh lean principles well, yeah yeah we kind of do that right and then oh kanban yeah i've used a kanban board before it kind of didn't work but i know why it didn't work and then it worked for this other thing i i don't know i mean i'm i'm sure that despite not having like a green belt certification yet i noticed that a lot of the things that that they were talking about in in the commercial and in U.S. industry and how they applied business process improvement in Lean Six Sigma, all of a sudden I realized, wow, you know, we actually we do quite a bit of that. Not saying we do it great, but I, I realized we do a quite a bit of that. Have you have you noticed that? Is has that, that something you noticed uh, in in performing in your current function, or your current job?
0: Yep, yeah, hundred percent. And I, I never I never did any of the Lean Six Sigma while I was in. But, but you're right. You know, the first, first couple of products I looked at, I was like, okay, yep. flow chart tracking. Yep. Org chart. Got it. But yeah, in in principle, you know, absolutely. It is something that, that, you know, a lot of us did while while in the service. And then in, in practice, you know, just learning the the terminology that they use, um, and the, the, the various software programs and, you know, that, that was really the learning part not not uh you know the theory of of improving processes i mean you know it, every, every aspect like you can improve process and personal military you know civilian like like anything, and you know f- for us it's you know embed ourselves, learn the process if there is a process and then capture it right, write it down. Put it into the system, like, and actually make it make it flow uh, based on you know what, what is the most logical way, and then find pain points, and then workshop it, figure out options to improve, and then you know propose the change, implement, you know, do a pilot, do some surveys, see how it works, and then do full uh, rollout implementations. So it really is, is fascinating. But you're right, like you know, lean six sigma, you know, any type of agile, any safe, you know, all those are or folks are really using them, um, in, in, in at least in a lot of the companies that, that I'm, I'm in and around.
1: Yeah, a lot. Of, I'm sure a lot of opportunities to combine a little bit of everything, right? So traditional program project management, waterfall, adopting some agile, um, maybe incorporating some lean six sigma tools. Essentially, like borrowing from the the project and program management tool belt that you probably developed over time. And it it sounds like, and I'm fascinated too. I I mean, I took my yellow belt course and I was like, wow, that's actually kind of cool. And we kind of do that. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm very happy for you because it sounds like a very neat thing that I'm, I'm certainly interested in learning more about. I did want to ask you this question before we go into like, you know, how do people get into contracting? Talk a little bit about work-life balance. I think when we, you, you mentioned contracts being available through um, like different companies or through the same company, but different locations or for different clients. You know, one of the questions I have in my head is, are, are you moving more in the, the land of contracting opportunities? Is there a lot of moving required or if they still embraced some uh, hybrid work or telework? And then how do you mix that all into pursuing other pursuits that are outside of work that are still fulfilling?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Great. uh, Great point. There are a ton of hybrid opportunities and most of the stuff I'm seeing, it's not, it's not really listed as remote because usually they want some sort of option in there for travel. So like mine has 10% travel. Um, I think that the last one was 10 or maybe 20% travel, but that doesn't mean that 20% of the time you're guaranteed to travel. Um, In fact, my last one, I didn't travel once in the year and a half I was there. This one travel uh, at least once a quarter, but it's opportunity based. And the folks that are in the local area, they still do a hybrid, and they come in one to two days a week. They come in like every Wednesday and everything. So, I used that when I was going through the interview process. You know, and they're like, "Hey, where are you located? Okay, Coastal North Carolina. Well, we're up in D.C. You know, are you going to be able to come up and so you know just thinking through it." you know, I was like, Hey, I'll, I'll, come up for a week at a time every month. You know, I'll, I'll give you more FaceTime, you know, than, than other folks. It's just, you know, logistically it has to make more sense at a particular time. So, um, they, they, they were on board with that and they appreciate the, you know, the offer to, to give more than they're asking. They haven't taken me up on it, but I, I still would. But I've also like, I, I have a friend who he's in the, on the, on the tech side and he's a local friend out here in North Carolina. And he was looking at a job at Silicon Valley and it was not listed as hybrid or remote, but he wanted to do it. So he still applied and going through the interview process, that's when he you know, began to, to barter and compromise about, you know, hey, what are, what are options here for travel? Can I, can I come down for a month at some point, once a quarter, or you know whatever the case may be, or you know, can we trade off things? And, and that negotiation stop, I mean, it is so important. You know, and especially in the military retired side, because, you know, if you, you've got health care covered, you've got your insurance covered, you've got dental or whatever the case may be. You can use those as bargaining chips um, when you're doing salary negotiations like, you know, hey, X company, you don't have to pay me um, or you don't have to provide this because I've already got it. So I would like to you know, opt out of that and then you can give me a, a higher you know, salary. So but yeah, I, I do see the remote opportunities Kind of dwindling down, um, but I don't think they're going away. Like my my team right now, you know, as I said, they're you know the, they're based out of DC, but we've got folks in, in our team that are all over. And as long as we are able to go in in person for say quarterly planning conference or you know certain ceremonies or whatnot, as as long as we can do that, great. And I would say that the travel is so pleasant. Um, nothing on DTS or any other services, uh, (laughs) travel systems, but there's an app on my phone and I request, you know, travel and it already loads based on the zip code, the per diem, the mileage from my home location. If I'm going to drive, it takes 10 minutes to submit an authorization. It goes right to my boss. They've got the app and they click approve and you're good and you travel. I mean, it's easy. And then on the backside, you know, file your claim. And within two days, you're already paid.
1: (laughs) Gosh, (laughs)
2: that sounds nice. That
1: sounds nice. (laughs) You know, and, and, and I don't blame, you know, I understand why the joint federal travel regulations are the way they are. It was that, it was that one jerk that used the government travel charge card at the place (laughs) that they never should have been in, in the first place. And no, you can't buy extra shots for all the strangers, but man, that, (laughs) you know, I just, it sounds good. It sounds good. So uh, many things sound good. That sounds good.
0: Yes. And, and, and I'll add to something else that is really good is performance recognition so so military wise right like uh, uh you could get into the meritocracy aspect but you get an award when you you know when you when you change units uh you get an award when you retire there are certain awards for certain ranks within reason you know they're you could get a good performance evaluation, but that's also slightly biased. You know, Marine Corps has done a very good job, and in fact, Air Force too about EPRs and OPRs with you know putting putting a weight on the radar. Um But the first time I got a monetary incentive for performance, I was blown away. You know, they're like, "Hey, your your client is very happy. They sent." They, they sent me a, a an email thanking you for your hard work uh for putting like some some you know some products together and briefings and whatnot and um so my company gave me a, a you know an incentive a financial incentive and i was i was taken aback i was like man that how cool is that like I'll work hard they recognize it and I get extra money yeah <laughs> it, it was just it was <laughs> it was neat you know
2: mind blowing concept. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Wow. And in that same vein, the new company, um, you know, when I interviewed for it, I interviewed for what I thought and what they advertised was the position of the, the current level that I was at. And right before they gave me the offer letter, they, they basically were like, hey, we were actually interviewing you for a, a, a promoted position. Um, but we kind of wanted to see if, it, you know, we wanted, to, we wanted to feel it out first before we even put that on the table. And so like they gave me a promotion with this uh, new job and I just, I couldn't be happier.
1: That's great, man. You perform and you're a heavy hitter and you put in the energy and the time and you deliver a quality service and the customer is happy. You actually get rewarded and recognized for it. That's great. Right. So what else are you doing? I'm, I'm asking a rhetorical question because <laughs> despite all of that, to, to balance out to to have a balanced life. I know that you're not just all about work, but aside from you having an insane running speed that I can't catch up with (laughs) because I follow you on social media, but you're also the board member of the Surf City Board of Adjustments. Surf City Board of Adjustments. How did that happen? (laughs) What's going on there?
0: (laughs) So I'll I'll back up just a tiny bit. I have wanted to have more free time, right. I've wanted to have more free time, but not just for me, like to do community type things. And that's hard. It's really hard. It's difficult when you're, you know, moving around and, you know, especially if you're in operations, you're deploying, you know, it's, you kind of, you're a nomad, you have no home and, you know, surf city as I retired, you know, this, this is, this is now my place. And so starting with that, I wanted to be more involved in the community. So I first reached out to our, our HOA board and went to the first meeting. They, they had an opportunity on the board for, uh, for a seat. And so I did my first meeting as, a, as a, a board member on the homeowners association. And by the end of the meeting, I was uh, offered uh, the president position. So I became the uh, HOA president, which you know, great. It's awesome. It's really, really awesome to know that you're making a positive impact in the community that you live in. But it is definitely probably one of the most thankless jobs uh, I can think of. <laughs> uh, but I, I will still gladly do it because, you know, there's there's just – there's there's so much to be said about, you know, uh, caring about the place you live at. But so, so spending some time on that board for a little over a year now recently – I saw, you know, and I keep track of all of our, um, you know, community, uh, relations, things and opportunities. And I saw, actually, I saw it on Facebook on our, uh, surf city page. They, they always, you know, put the the jobs that are opening and I saw a board of adjustments and I was like, man, I don't even know what that is, but it seems intriguing. So <laughs> I, I just started Googling it, you know, and, and, and seeing what it's about. And I was like, man, that's kind of, that's kind of cool. I, I, I'd like to, you know, offer, offer to do some of that. And so I, I submitted a application resume and, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they, they wrote me right back and they're like, Hey, we'll let you know. And then I didn't hear anything for a few weeks. So yeah, I thought, okay, they probably just gave it to somebody actually qualified for it. And lo and behold, I got a message from, uh, uh, from them and, and actually one of my friends who's on the, uh, the council saying hey congrats we just we just uh, voted you in so yeah I, I haven't actually gone to any meetings yet for it they only uh, meet once a once a month if there are current uh, um, applications for adjustment but uh, yeah I will be going in just to do a face to face and kind of meet some of the team. Uh, next week, so yeah, it's exciting.
1: All right. Dude, just help me out here because I'm I'm over here in a corner chewing on a red crayon. I need to know what does the board of adjustments do. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll learn more about it. Uh, you know, as I really study the handbook. I did. Re- I read the handbook, uh, but uh, and I did a, bu- a bunch of googling. But yeah, from from what I understand, it's if if there's an adjustment uh, application that somebody submits say, say property or, um, maybe like, um, zoning or or some, some type of change in permitting, um, related to land management, you know, that application has to be discussed and heard by, by the board. And so the, the board meets, discuss it, you know, talk through the details and then go through the, um, you know, go through the approval process if
1: applicable. Okay. I, I got it. All right. Well, Hey, balanced life. I think you didn't mention it. I'm not sure if you did, but uh, I had said at the beginning, this wasn't going to be about military contracting. This is just going to be about the contracting landscape. And correct me if I'm wrong, the, the current client that you are serving on this contract is not military. Is that accurate? That is accurate. Okay.
0: Yep. So the last one was, and this one is not.
1: Okay. Good to go. Well, and that's and I think that's, that's important because even in my mind, when I was thinking contracting, I thought military contracting, meaning when you go into the contracting world, you're going to be working for other military units, right? But there, it sounds like, you know, depending on the company that you're with, you know, it could be as broad as federal or state government agencies. It, it could even be private organizations that you're ending up providing a service to. So it could be rather broad. And that's a, I think it's a, it's a great point.
0: Yep, and and some folks do multiple. You know, the client I have right now that they, they get all my time, and other folks, like there are folks on our team that they get X amount of hours per week, and then you know their the uh, coworker is supporting another client. So one may be a DOD, one may be Border Patrol, one may be you know some federal agency, and so sometimes they they get a certain amount of time which is also further confusing and took me a while to comprehend it because you're salaried, but you have to count your hours and then you have to charge your hours to the various charge codes. And so um, learning that whole process was something I had to wrap my mind around.
1: All right. Good to know. Hey, sis, before we go into the closing, do you have any questions?
2: No, not really. It's it's just good to hear that you transitioned into a remote work really well. Cause what I keep hearing is, you know, having to manage your schedule from going from the military and then, uh, transitioning out of the military into the civilian world and having to manage your schedule and do your own work. I can hear that people are 50, 50, if it's hard or if it's actually easier than they thought. So, um, to hear that you were able to transition into remote work and then figure out the hybrid work as well. It's, it's really, that's great to hear.
0: Yeah. And, and I, you know, I, I know a lot of, a lot of, a lot of folks like it. A lot of folks hate it. And so, for me, perspective is you know that I I have the opportunity to commute from my bed to the to the office, you know, and so it's uh like I I really enjoy it, but it's not for everybody. Absolutely not for everybody. But on a leadership side, you know, a lot of companies are are hesitant. They're like, ah, oh, remote workers, and that that's that's like a dirty term sometimes. But it it for anybody that. You know, has decent people skills. You can tell remote workers that are not pulling their weight. It's very, very easy to tell. And so it's you know, in, in my mind, from a leadership perspective, you know, yeah, you can you could remote work all you want in certain jobs and uh, be totally effective. In fact, I can do I can do way more meetings uh, from from my house than I could
1: in an office.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I noticed yeah. on the one day a week that we get for telework. And I know it's crazy. We actually, I'm part of a military organization that still has a, a telework day, but I'll fire up my computer at zero i I'll be checking email at zero six forty while sipping on a cup of coffee I just made, go shower up, do the rest of it, be back on. And then I'll forget that it's like 1745 because the sun started to set a little bit. And I'm like, oh, crud what am I doing on this thing still? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it, I think people can thrive in it and produce a lot of results. Yeah,
0: definitely. And, and, and I would add too, um, cause I didn't really answer it before is the balance part. I oftentimes just want to keep going and going and going and I want more responsibility and more jobs and more involvement, but it's, it, it's gotta be at a spot where it's manageable and, and that work-life balance, especially with remote work can that can creep up. You know what I mean? Like mm. I had to learn, you know, get out of the operations mindset. Like you are done working at, at a certain time unless there's like something big going on. Like just stop, close the computer and walk away. Don't don't let it suck you in, you know?
1: Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Man, this has been some great information, but we're running short on time. So, you know, before we uh wrap this up, I wanted to ask you if there are two or three things that you want listeners to remember as they prepare for their own transition what are they?
0: I would say one, you know, we said in the beginning that a lot of folks say that you'll know when, when your time is up, but having, having a plan and having like a general duration or or timeline that you think you're going to get out, like, like do that math and kind of, kind of let it marinate and talk about, talk about it with your family, you know? and, And when I say do the math, like, you know, if, if there's, Obviously, you're going to calculate your your retirement, you know, and oh, if I stay in another two years, I'm going to get this and that, and you know, plan out all possible options. But you know, think about you know what what taxes are going to look like. What's your retirement check? When are you going to get your retirement check? Like how soon after you retire? If you think VA disability is going to be something, that all needs to go into the to the calculus as well as you know, Hey, am I going to roll out at 20 and get 50% or am I going to stay in 30 and get 75 and maybe promote, you know, two more times and make double or whatever, you know, the math comes out to be, but you know, and then am I going to lose out, uh, on, on potential opportunities? So just kind of having all that stuff, I think, I think most most folks do to a degree, but yeah, keep on, keep on if you do. And if you don't do that, I would say, um, the other thing is it'll be okay. Right. Like, so for, for the folks that aren't like getting out, like fully certified for the folks, you know, that, that maybe uh, are transitioning with, with maybe not exactly known what, what you're going to do. Skillbridge is great. Network, networking, 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 right. Have a, have a LinkedIn profile, you know, keep in contact with people. Uh, It, it, it will pay dividends. And so take some of the worry and some of the, the angst out of, out of the transition. And just know, like, they, what do they say? That the average adult has no less than three or so careers, you know, whatever, whatever. I might be messing up the numbers, but, you know, that that's true. You know, and so the Marine Corps, that was, you know, a fifth of my life. Great. You know what I mean? Like, growing up was a fifth. You know, so I've got I got a couple more fifths I'm going to, you know, uh, go through. And, and so I, maybe I don't stay with BPR or whatever. You know, maybe I go back to logistics or something totally new. Just having that open mind.
1: And being at ease will help your transition.
2: Mm.
1: All right. Great. Hey, if listeners think of a question that we didn't ask, how how can they get in touch with you? uh, And if, how can people follow you?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give you my, my phone number and physical address. (laughs) No, Um. please don't. (laughs) Yeah, the, the easiest way is LinkedIn, um, especially from the professional aspect. Um, if you Google mine or if you LinkedIn search my name, uh, there's only two Sheridan Conklin's in there uh, and you should be able to tell which one uh, probably just from the sound of my voice uh, is me. So that's, that's the easiest way. Um, and if not, I think, uh, I think you're going to link in the show notes or whatever
1: opportunities uh, reach out to me. Well, hey, Sheridan, thank you so much for your time. This has been very informative. I'm even personally very interested in what it is that you do. So I'm I'm taking notes and I'm going to be thinking about this one for a little while. But uh, hey, again, thanks for coming on and, and we'll be in touch.
0: Fantastic. Th- thank you both. What a great
1: time. Thank you. And Sheridan Conklin has left our virtual studio. Sis, thoughts?
2: Um, You know, it's funny, he used the word opportunities a lot in the beginning where he wasn't finding opportunities being in the military. And then he's finding a lot of opportunities outside in the civilian world. And I think that's really great because that just means that there's such potential for growth with the skills that you gain in the military and bringing it into the civilian world. And I think what's really awesome for him specifically is that he was able to find a company that has talent managers or at least people in the interview process that could really recognize those skills and shape and form a role that would benefit their company, but also benefits him for those growth opportunities. So, you know, when you have, when you're in those interviews and people are asking you, you know, very tough questions and they're, and I mean, this interview process only took a week. That's insane, (laughs) but You know when they start doing that, and they they start revving up the process for you, and they ask those tough questions. That just means that they're really honing in on your skills, and so that's always a very good sign.
1: Tangential to that, talking about growth opportunities, I got to tell you, and, and this is this, I worked with Sheridan, and to be more specific, I was an operations officer, and he was the operations assistant. And you know when you when you do this long enough, every now and then. You'll see somebody that works for you and you're looking at what they're capable of producing. You look at their qualities as a human being, you look at their leadership ability and their managerial skills. And, um, and you look at them and you say like, they could be doing my job. As a matter of fact, they might even be doing my job better than me. They could, they could do my job even better than me. And Sheridan was one of those. I'm good at what I do and I'm I'm pretty confident with what I do, but I'll tell you there wasn't anybody that didn't like working with Sheridan. Uh, he had a, he had a great reputation. Um, and he was such a, not only a hard worker, but there were times where I would look at what he did and I'm like, wait, I need you to teach me. How how did you do that? (laughs) That was, that was awesome. And so to, to hear that he's, you know, he's not limited by some of the arbitrary uh well, maybe i shouldn't say arbitrary, but some of the limitations of the promotion system within the military and he's out there and he 's crushing it he 's getting recognized for it I think that's a you know that that's a calling message for those that know that it 's their time also know that some of the benefits out there are you know if you if you don't like the job that you have in the civilian world you're not adherent to unless you sign one you're you're not adherent to an enlistment contract or you know, uh, end of obligated service requirement, you, you can move on and you can find a place where you can be at peak performance, flourish and crush. And I think that's a, that is a great lesson and a good story about how a Marine retired and found a place where he could just crush. Mm
2: -hmm. Absolutely. I love that form.
1: So that's it. That's it. That's it. it wraps up another great conversation. And if you're listening to me right now, thank you very much for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider, if you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. If you're listening to this on Spotify or another platform, drop us a comment. We'll take the good, the bad, the ugly. Because even here, we are about process improvement and we will take what you have to say to heart. If you know somebody that may be thinking about going into the contracting world, hey, share the episode with them. You can send them the link. You can share them on any of the other platforms. If you want to get in touch with us, you can hit us up on our Instagram account, New Mission Charlie Tango. That's New Mission CT, Charlie Tango. Uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can drop us a DM or you could send us an email at newmissionct@gmail.com, and we will get back to you as soon as we can. If you're preparing for your own transition, well, know that I'm right there with you. So until next time, stay focused.